Thank you so much for joining us for the Summit Podcast. This message was produced with you in mind, and we'd love to hear your story of how God has shown himself faithful in your life. Email us at mystory@summittogether.com. Um, the series we're in is called Imagine, and really the point of this series is for us to imagine our church, imagine our lives the way God is imagining our church and imagining our lives. We want to begin to dream big dreams the way that God has for us. And the series name comes from Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. And from the message, this is our key verse for this, this series, but also for this initiative over the next couple of years. And Ephesians 3, 20 says this. It says, God can do anything far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. And this is the character of who our God is, that he can do more than you imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. We are the ones who limit God. God is not limited by anyone but us. God is limitless, but sometimes our faith, we believe in such a way that God goes, well, I can't help you because you're not believing big enough. I can't work in your life because you're not believing big enough. And so I think this is an opportunity for us as individuals and corporately as a church to begin to dream big dreams and to begin to imagine God doing impossible things. The vision of our church is every life made different. And now I want to walk through real quickly, and if you've been here a couple weeks in a row, you, you might be saying, Mo, haven't we talked about this vision? We have. This is the thing. About a third of our church only comes to church uh, once or sometimes twice a month. So some of our church are he- is hearing this for the first time. So if you're getting tired of hearing about some of this, just take a deep breath and believe me, it's going to be okay. Let me walk through this with you real quick. Over the next two years, we feel like God has placed in our heart to do a couple of things or three things. Um, we're going to give... Uh, quadruple what we've given this last year to missions. Over the next two years, we're going to quadruple what we give away to missions. Um, We're going to spend about a million dollars over the next two years outside of our church, on ministry outside of our church. So let me just give you some examples. Um, we're, We're going to be helping life choices with their maternity home. We're going to invest in that. They're building a gigantic maternity home up in Butler. They're doing incredible things, and we're going to have a part of that. Um, we're going to be in, in 2016, Steph, yeah, 2016, we're going to be doing um, Panama. Is that right or is that 2017? 2017, we're going to provide an entire village in Panama with clean drinking water. Uh, we're going to go in and we're going to invest and we're going to make sure those people who will never, ever come to the summit, they're never, ever going to live stream our services. We're going to make sure we go and provide that village with clean drinking water. There aren't going to be any kids that die of something like diarrhea in that village because we're going to help provide clean drinking water for those kids and for the, the, those families. We're going to make sure their lives are made different because of tangible things that we're able to do. We're going to be starting new churches uh, in the surrounding communities all over this area. We're going to be planting and beginning new churches um, and we're going to start in 2017, and we're going to see where God takes us with that. We're planning on starting a new church every other year, at least after 2017. The last thing is we're going to be building a 19,000-square-foot kids and youth facility, and this is going to be incredible. It's going to allow us to reach even more kids, even more adults, junior high, senior high, children, at all ages. We're going to be able to do more with this facility, reach more people, see more lives made different than we ever have in the history of our church. Now, again, this vision that we're talking about is every life made different. And um, it's not about, and I've told somebody this last week, it is so not about a building or so not about um, churches. It is all about seeing people's lives transformed, and we get to be a part of that. And so let me just walk you through this. I know you've seen this, and you might be 
um, starting to get weary of it, but I'll share a story with you in just a second that's really cool. This is what we're asking people to do in our church. We're asking people to take a step of faith no matter where they're at. We're asking everybody that calls this place home to, to say, how can I be a part? And this is what it's going to look like. If somebody is, has never given to the summit before, we're asking them to take a step and become a first-time giver. And once somebody gives for the first time, we want them to take another step and say, hey, I want to become an occasional giver. I want to start giving once in a while. If you're here and maybe you've been this person, you give once in a while, you drop some cash in the offering boxes you're leaving. Um, when, you, when you have some, when you feel like it, when you're moved, this is what you do. You give occasionally. We want you to be, take that next step and say, I'm going to become an intentional giver. Uh, I'm, I'm going to give a percentage of my income uh, on a regular basis. So twice a month, I'm giving 5% of my income. And let's just see what God does with that. Um, it's less than 10%, but it's, it's, it's intentional in what you're doing. This is a 10% giver, somebody who gives 10% of everything that comes in to God, to this church, and just trusting God. And this is the tithe. This is what you hear a lot of times in churches when they talk about the tithe. And this is an extravagant giver who goes, you know what, I don't even care about the 10%. I want to give as much as I can. I want to bless as much as I can. I want to help as much as I can. Now, there is no condemnation for anybody wherever you fall on this ladder. Uh, there is no condemnation, but I'm telling you, when, when you learn to, to live in this area, it is transformational in your life. It is transformational in your family. It's transformational uh, in your kids. It really does change things. So this is how we're going to see, did it just get brighter in here? <laughs> Lord is speaking to us people. We need to listen. So this is how we're going to see us take this step and see every life made different. It's, again, it's not about a building. It's about seeing lives transformed. Let me read this testimony to you. I had a, a, a lady send me a message yesterday. Um, and so I'm, I've removed the names so that I don't embarrass anyone. I asked permission. She said I could share this. Um, but she sent me this message. I got it yesterday on Friday. It says, I've been trying to listen to everything you've been saying, and I've been trying to give. Just in the last three weeks, it's been crazy. Like, I might be crazy, or this is completely changing my life. My husband, and I'm going to include the likes because this person, that's how they talk. Um, she says, my husband was supposed to be laid off until January, bringing our income to $1,500 a month unemployment. Our house payment is $1,200 a month. So you can probably imagine right there and do the math and go, okay, something's probably not going to work, right? We spent all day on Tuesday calling the mortgage company to see what we could do to lower or defer house payments until January. On Sunday, I had $74 to last me until the 23rd. And I think a lot of us have been there, right? She had $74 to last until the 23rd. Well, Wednesday, I was praying and praying, and Thursday, I woke up to $400 in my account. I immediately called my friend to get the push pay number and sent $40. So she called her friend and said, hey, what's the, what's the text giving number for the church so I can give? And she tithed $40 on the spot. My husband was like, What? I was like, listen, I don't even want to come up with an excuse to use that $40. I got groceries yesterday, this was, which was Thursday, and gas, and that, will, uh, and that will definitely sustain us until the 23rd. Today, which is Friday, my husband got a call from Halliburton. He will be working for the rest of the year, no unemployment for us. Maybe it's a coincidence, or maybe you know what you're talking about. <laughs> I loved hearing that story. Because, again, it's not about that $40. It's about what happens in our hearts when we say, okay, God, I'm going to trust you. And I'm going to test this thing out. And I'm going to see what happens. It really is amazing what God can do in our lives. And, and one of the things we're trying to do is encourage generosity. Um, and, and we're even doing that with our kids. And so I had, I had somebody say, 
are we so desperate we're trying to get money out of our kids? And uh, no, no, but what we want to do is encourage generosity with our kids. I want my children to know how, how much fun it is to give, how much fun it is to invest in the kingdom and, and what it does in our lives. And so last weekend, your kids, if they're in kids' church, probably got one of these, and, and we're encouraging them to take them and fill them up and bring them back. And, um, and the truth is, this is going to hold about... Um, $3 of change, if that. And so we're not going to get rich off these piggy banks, but we want to help our kids understand that we're trying to develop an attitude of generosity toward God and just see what he will do in this. Because we want our kids to feel invested in this as well. We want our kids to feel like, hey, this is not just the church's vision. This is not mom and dad's vision. This is my vision. We get to help see life's changed as well. And so we've encouraged our teenagers to be a part of this as well. Our teenagers are... are, are doing intention cards as well. And so we're going to see, you know what, I can guarantee you I'm going to see some intention cards from teenagers that say, I'm going to give $10 over the next six months. Praise God that they're going to give $10 over the next six months because they're saying, I want to be a part of this thing um, because that's really what it's all about. So let me share a couple things with you. Last week I shared a little bit about this. Uh, this is an intention card. And uh, the intention card, uh, you got this a few weeks ago. We'll be talking more about it in the next few weeks. But this is really basic. It, it, on the back, it's got the generosity pathway. On the front, it's just got information. And uh, basically, it says this. You got, you got your basic information. And it says, to your imagined initiative intention. And we set intention on purpose because it's not a contract. It is not, it's not a, a, a pledge. This is what you intend to do. So on the first line, it says, what I, what I or we normally give in a year. So whatever that is. And if you normally give zero in a year, then that's okay. You put zero down, and there's no condemnation. I'm not upset with you about that. On the second line, it says, my or our uh, expanded annual generosity. So basically what this is saying is, hey, because the church has, has got this expanded vision, we want to see every life made different. I want to be a part of that, and this is what I want to do. So you would put that there. On the next line, it says times two for two years. And then there's a total. The next line down says gifts from stored resources. And I know I shared this with Saturday night last week. The Sunday morning service didn't hear all this. But um, I had a lady a few weeks ago that was sitting in my office and we were talking about that. And she said, Pastor Mel, um, I've got a storage unit and it's full of junk. And, and I've, I've been that person with a storage unit full of junk. And she said, um, and I, it cost me $100 every month. What if I sold the stuff in my storage unit, gave the money to the church, and then started writing a check to the church for $100 a month? And she said, that'd probably work, wouldn't it? And I said, yeah, that would probably work. That's a great idea. And she said, it wouldn't even cost me anything because I'm already writing a check for $100 a month. And so that's what that line is, gift from stored resources. What do you have sitting in your basement that you could sell? Um, which one of your kids is your least favorite? They are worth a lot of money, okay? I'm just saying. You got two good kidneys. Do you really need to? Um, so, no. Uh, so what that really is all about is us just saying, what do I have Maybe I can't give a ton of money. Maybe I don't have the resources to, to increase my giving like I would like to, but I've, I've got a resource or I've got an asset. I've got, you know, I've got a piece of equipment somewhere that I don't, I'm not going to use. I could sell and give to the church. And then the line at the bottom, it just has the total. So this is what happens. Um, on October 31st, which would be a Saturday night, or November 1st, uh, we're going to have Intention Sunday. And that's where we're going to ask people to bring these cards in the envelope, sealed up, bring them to the church with you. And, and we're going to have some containers around on the stage. And we're just going to ask people to bring them up and put them in the containers. And, and this is the thing. This is why these are so important. And this is why we need every single person to fill one of these out. Every family needs to fill one of these out for us. Because they do two things. Um, number one, this is 
uh, how we're going to plan and budget for the next two years. As we plan on how we spend our money, we want to be good stewards of that. So the way we plan is by using these cards. So that's the first thing. But the second thing is this is what we take to the bank and say, hey, bank, um, we're ready to get started on this vision that God has called us to. Help us get started. So we're going to get a bank loan to get us started on the building and get us started with some of these things so that we can get the ball rolling. Because this money is going to come in over the course of two years, so it's, we're not going to have it in hand all at once. So that's why we need everybody to be a part of this. And if you're the person that says it's between me and God, it's none of your business, I totally get that. But set that one aside for this and help us out. This will be a blessing to us. And so um, if you need to talk through that with me, I'd be happy to visit with you about it. Um, but that's a big day coming up, October 31st and November 1st. But there's another one coming up. And I've had several people say, okay, we want to begin to give. When do we do that? And what we're going to do is uh, November 14th and 15th, we're, we're having a Sunday. We're calling it Big Give Sunday. And what we'd like to do is see, um, we'd like to see that be the biggest offering that's ever come in in the history of our church. And, and that is going to be incredible because, again, we tithe off everything that comes in. So 10% of everything comes in is automatically going back out, at least. And so we want to be able to take that and do some incredible things before the end of the year with our missionaries, with our ministries, be able to bless some people. And so uh, that's going to be an incredible day. So start praying about that. God, what would you have me do? How would you have me be a part of that? And it's going to be great. Um, tonight, one of the aspects of the ministry we want to look at is, is our kids and youth ministry is going to be impacted in a huge way over the next few years because of this vision. And as I was thinking about this, one of the key words you see in scripture in regards to kids a lot of times is the word orphan. And sometimes when we think of orphan, we think of Annie. There's an orphanage. Her parents died in a crash or whatever it was, and poor orphan Annie. She doesn't have parents. But when you look scripturally at what the word orphan means, it really means fatherless. So every time it's used in scripture, except once, I believe, it means fatherless. It doesn't mean that your parents have died. It means that your father is not around for whatever reason. And so the Bible talks a lot about orphans. And the reason this is important because the father was really, really important in the role of a child's life, especially in the Bible, but even today. The father's role was monumental. Um, God knew that if the father was absent, it changes the course of kids' lives. And without a father, there's a void in their lives. Um, at our, my prior church, we had a prison ministry, and the person that was in charge of it, he'd been doing prison ministry for years. And one day we were talking, and I said, Jesse, um, uh, you deal with a lot of guys on, on death row, right? And he said, yeah, I do. And, and he had access. He was able to minister to those guys. And I said, you know, there's a lot of diversity, their crimes, their background, their histories. What do you see? What's a common thread you see among a lot of those guys? And he said, almost without fail, it's that they didn't have a relationship with their father. Now, if you're here and you don't have a relationship with your father, I'm not saying you're going to death row. Um, um, there's no condemnation for that. But it changes us when we don't have a healthy relationship with our Father. It impacts us in big ways. And so what we have to do is look at the responsibility of a father. Well, the responsibility of a father biblically was to protect and provide. Now, we see that even today. A lot of dads take pride in that. Well, I, I protect my kids. I provide for my kids. And biblically, the protection it was calling for was physical, spiritual, and emotional protection. Now, I know some dads that they would guard their kids and protect them physically. And they would be happy to shoot an intruder that came into their house. But when you talk, start talking about emotional protection, like some dads start getting a little weird and I don't know what that means and keeping it at arm's length. But that was one of the roles of a biblical father was to emotionally and spiritually guard and protect their children. 
And we see today, um, there are a lot of dads that are happy to provide for their kids. They say, well, hey, you know what? I give you a house, I give you clothes to wear, I give you food to eat. I don't know what else you want. Well, biblically, there's a lot more than that. Uh, those are all great things, and we need those things. We need something beyond just the tangible needs. Um, biblically, uh, the Bible called for fathers to give instruction to their kids, to, to provide for their their tangible needs, but then also to provide a paternal blessing to their kids. And this blessing was huge because it gave direction and it, and it shaped the kid's future in so many ways. And what I've recognized over and over and over and over again is that in the world today, there's a generation of students, of children and, and teenagers that are fatherless spiritually. They're spiritual orphans. They haven't had anyone do the things biblically that a father should. And this is one of the things I love about the ministries at our church. Our kids and youth ministries do an incredible job providing these things in a lot of ways. In fact, I want to show you a story of, of one young man and his mom and just let you hear how the ministries of this church has impacted their life. Hi, my name is Laureen, and this is my son, Landon. And I've pretty much raised Landon up in the Summit Church. Uh, the Summit Church has been an excellent foundation for him and I both. Um, just to see him raised up with the morals and the values, the character and the integrity that, you know, I've wanted to instill in him since he was a little boy. I've been part of the Summit Youth Group really ever since I could get in the door. Um, now I'm a senior and it's just crazy how much things have grown. Now we're having 90, 100 kids come out to some of the events and it's just so amazing what God's doing. And I see so many kids and so many lives that are changed because of what's going on there, including my own. Now I get to serve as part of the student leadership on the Apex team and I get to be part of that change in their lives. And it's just, there's nothing more rewarding than that for me. So I made some bad decisions in my life and that all changed on September 10th of last year, and it changed right here at the summit. Eli, our youth pastor, he was preaching a message on chapters 1, 2, and 3 of your life. Chapter 1 being your life prior to salvation. Chapter 2 is when you receive it, and chapter 3 is what you're going to do with your life after you receive it. And I was sitting there with all the other kids, and my heart was just like pounding with conviction. And it was like he kept asking, what are you going to do with your chapter three? And that like, that really hit me and it resonated with me. I knew at that moment that I wasn't doing what I was supposed to with my chapter three. And I knew that the lifestyle that I was living wasn't going to lead me anywhere, just downhill. So I had to make that decision and take that hard look at myself that I didn't want to take. And on that night, I made the decision that I was going to change my life completely, 180 degrees. And by the grace of God and by him working through me, I was able to do that. And I'm, I'm changed, my life's changed. How I view things are changed. And I've never been happier. I've never felt better. I'm just always full of joy and I'm crazy and I love it. And um, all of that was because of what God's doing in the Summit Youth Group. I think just collectively over the years, the Summit Church, has definitely been a place for us together as a family to come together, to grow together, to raise my little boy up in this church, 
for us both to become a part of an amazing youth group, to see God use the gifts and the talents that he's given us. And as Landon is a senior this year, I know that God's not nearly done with them yet. I got to share my testimony with the youth group, and I get to be an influence on younger people that might have been going through the same thing that I was going through, and now I can be a witness to them. I've been able to just be more of a light in the darkness. One of my favorite song lyrics is by a group called Down Here, and the lyric is, somehow my story is part of your plan, and it's amazing what God can do when you just let him take the reins and you give him everything. Because of the summit, our lives have been made different. Uh, Landon and Lorene are awesome. You might have seen Landon in the drum cage. Uh, sometimes he plays, but um, this is an incredible family, and I'm so grateful for them and the difference that God has made in their lives uh, simply through the ministries of this church. And when we talk about spiritual orphans tonight, some of this might resonate with you because the truth is there's a lot of people, even as adults, that don't have a healthy relationship with their father. Um, and, and so you might feel tonight like some of this kind of hits home with you. So it doesn't matter how old or how young you are. Um, some of this is going to have an impact on you. Um, if, if your relationship with your dad maybe wasn't what you would picture it to be or, or like for it to be. And so just know that there is application here, whether you had a dad present in your home or not, um, whether your dad was there, but maybe he wasn't a, a good, healthy, godly influence in your life. There's application here. So just know that, that this works in your life, no matter what your your physical father was in, in this world. There's a couple things I want us to know about orphans. Uh, the first thing is that every orphan has a father. Um, when Jesus was at the Last Supper, uh, he had already washed the disciples' feet. He had sent Judas out. Judas was going to betray him, and he sent Judas out to do that. Uh, and he was giving final instructions to the disciples and helping them understand what was to come. They still had no idea what was about to happen to Jesus, that he was about to be betrayed and crucified and that he was going to be laid to rest in, in a grave. They had no idea what was coming, but he was trying to help them understand and try to help them see. And this is what he says in John chapter 14, verse 15. He says to his disciples, if you love me, you will obey what I command. And I love this. I could preach a whole message just simply on that. But he says, if you really love me, you're going to do what I've asked you to do. And he says in verse 16, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. So he's sending the Holy Spirit. We've talked about that a little in the last few weeks. And verse 17 says, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Now listen to this in verse 18. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. We have to understand that every orphan has a father, that our, our heavenly father has come alongside us, that no matter what our, our real dad has looked like in our lives, our heavenly father is there to fulfill the roles of a, of a biblical father. He's there to protect and provide for us. He's there to give us guidance, direction. He's there to give us the paternal blessing in our life. He is there to do what we need a father to do. And I love this because Jesus says, I'm not going to leave you as an orphan. There might be times in your life that you feel like you've been left alone, that you've been abandoned, that you've been marginalized. But Jesus is saying here, I'm not going to let that happen in your life. 
You might feel that way, but you will never be an orphan. I will not leave you as an orphan. He says, I will come to you. And I'm thankful for that. Psalm chapter 68, the psalmist says this. He's describing the characteristics of God, and he says, he's a father of the fatherless, and protector of widows is God in his holy habitation. He says, God rests in his holiness. That's where he lives. That's where he resides. And in that holiness, he, he's a father to the fatherless, and he provides for the widow. Because this is the thing. Um, biblically, and we'll see this in just a moment in one of the verses, but there were three key people groups that were, that were marginalized more than others. It was the fatherless or the orphan, uh, the widow, and the sojourner. So this a sojourner wasn't just somebody who was traveling, but it was someone who had no home. So the Israelites knew what this was about when they were in Egypt, when they were in captivity. They had no place to call their own. And so that's why one of the reasons you see over and over and over, especially in the Old Testament, God give instruction to take care of the sojourner because they had no home. They had no inheritance. They had nothing in their hand. And so you see scripturally that, that God takes care of those that are marginalized, those who have no standing, those who have no power. He says, take care of them because this is God's nature. His nature is in his holiness to be a father to the fatherless and a protector of the widows. So we have to understand every orphan has a father. We also have to understand every orphan deserves justice. Uh, Moses had just received the Ten Commandments for the second time. He had received the Ten Commandments, and he had come down off the mountain, and the children of Israel were doing crazy things. They were, they were worshiping a, a false god, and he, he takes the commandments. If you've ever seen Charlton Heston in the Ten Commandments, if you haven't, if you're too young for that, you need to rent it. And it's probably just on VHS. I don't even know if they have it on Blu-ray. Anyway, so um, he takes and he throws the Ten Commandments, and they break because he's so angry, and then God says, okay, you shouldn't have done that. We're going to remake the Ten Commandments. So the second time he makes the Ten Commandments, he, he comes off the mountain and he's giving instruction to the children of Israel. He walks through the Ten Commandments with them. <clears throat> and then in Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 16, he says this. He says, circumcise, therefore, the foreskin of your heart. And I know that's a little uncomfortable. Um, in, in the Hebrews had a covenant with God, and part of that covenant as an external sign of that covenant was for them to be circumcised, the boys to be circumcised at eight days of age. And so this is what God is saying through Moses. He says, circumcise therefore the foreskin of your heart and be no longer stubborn. This is what he says. He said, it's not enough that you have an outward sign of holiness, that you have an outward sign of this covenant with me. He says, let your heart be circumcised. He's saying, don't just change the outside of your body, change your heart. Let your heart be transformed and show that I am God. And I think that is a, that is a good message to us today. And I'll be honest with you, I prayed this all this last week. God, change my heart. Don't just let me be changed on the outside. Don't let me just put on a good show. Let my heart be changed. Let my heart be circumcised. And that's been my prayer. Let us as a church be changed in our hearts, not just, not just on the outside, but change us. And he goes on to say, for the Lord your God is, a God, of God is the God of gods, the Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, the awesome God who is not partial and takes no bribes. He, listen to this. He executes justice for the fatherless and the widow, and he loves the sojourner, giving him food and clothing. Again, the character and nature of God is to take care of those who are marginalized. He cares about them. He gives justice for the fatherless. And one of the reasons this was important is because you see Biblically, um, people would, 
they would move boundary markers. So if they, if they had a, a piece of property next to someone who was fatherless, they would move the boundary marker of their property over and take some of their land. And they knew they don't have anybody to fight for them because they're fatherless. They don't have judicial standing. So I can take from them, take advantage of them, and there's nothing they can do about it. And this is what God says. God says, I, I fight for them. I bring justice for the fatherless. And that's what he expects of us as well, to see justice done for those who are marginalized, to take care of those who have been set aside. Psalm chapter 10, verse 14, in the message version, it says this. It says, the psalmist is kind of just griping a little bit. God, we're in trouble. We need your help. We're in a mess, that kind of thing. In verse 14, he says, but you know all about it, the contempt, the abuse. I dare to believe that the luckless will get lucky someday in you. Now, he's not talking about winning the lotto. He's saying some people perceive luck and things happen in their life, and they go, oh, I was lucky, but it was really God moving in their life. And he said, hey, someday those people that think they get lucky, it's really going to be you working on their behalf. Then he goes on to say, you won't let them down. Listen to this line, orphans won't be orphans forever. Why? Because the justice of God comes alongside them. And you might be here tonight and you feel like a spiritual orphan. You feel like you didn't have any, the, the, that paternal blessing. You didn't have direction in your life spiritually. You didn't have anybody to help guide you or protect you or provide for you. But orphans won't stay orphans forever. God is too just for that. He's too just to let that happen. And the last thing, the church, it's the church's responsibility to care for orphans. In James chapter 1, verse 27, it says this. It says, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Now, this is interesting because sometimes we invert this. We flip it the other way and we go, okay, I'm gonna, how do we identify holiness? Well, holiness is you don't sin. You, you stop looking at porn. You stop, start being nice to your wife. You start, um, you, know, you start going to church every week and that's holiness. But that's not the way God defines it, is it? It's interesting because he said in James chapter 1, I mean, this is James, the brother of Jesus. He says, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and also, by the way, to keep oneself unstained from the world. He's saying sometimes we focus so much on what we, what we stop doing that we don't even focus on what we're supposed to be doing. That it's our responsibility to care for people who are marginalized, to care for those who are, are spiritual orphans and quite literally literal orphans in this world. It's our responsibility to do something about that. And when we just concentrate on not sinning, we're not doing what God has called us to do. It's not enough. In Deuteronomy chapter 14, uh, Moses is describing uh, what is supposed to happen biblically with uh, our giving and what the, the ceremonial laws are supposed to look like. And, and he goes on and says this in verse 29. He says, And the Levite, because he has no portion or inheritance with you, and the sojourner, the fatherless, the widow, who are within your towns, shall come and eat and be filled, that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands um, that you do. And this is what he says. He says you need to make provision for those people who can't help you do anything. You need to bless and take care of and provide for those who can't ever provide for you or help you or bless you or can, can never do anything for you. And this is one of the reasons, honestly, I think people are so shocked that we're building this gigantic building for kids and youth because it's like, well, they don't even tithe. <laughs> right, they don't. Well, we're investing in people who are 
And many of them are spiritual orphans. Many of them don't have spiritual fathers or mothers to care for them, to, to speak into them, to give them direction and hope and life. And this is what the ministries of this church do. They speak into these students. They see students' lives change. I love when I hear stories from kids when they'll come out of kids' church and they're talking about everything they learned that day. They're, they're talking about the, the stories they heard. They're talking about the memory verse. They've got to take home with them. They're excited about coming to church. Why? Because we're investing in spiritual orphans many times. We're able to partner with them and come alongside them and give them a future, and God is able to speak through us to see that. Every orphan has a father. Every orphan deserves justice, and it is our responsibility as a church to care for orphans. Now, again, I want to point this out. The church is not me or this building, every person who calls this church home is the church. It is our responsibility to care for, to provide for, to bless those that are spiritually needy, that are spiritually marginalized. It is our responsibility. It's not someone else's, it's us. See, maybe you're here tonight, maybe you are literally fatherless. Maybe you don't have a relationship with your father. I've got good news. If you're a spiritual orphan, you're not fatherless. You've got a heavenly father who dotes on you, delights in you, and thinks you are beautiful, thinks you are lovely, is so proud of you. You've got a spiritual father who wants to give you direction and vision for your life, give you a future and a hope. That's, that's what our heavenly father does. But we also have to understand it's our responsibility to care for them as well. It's our responsibility to do something about this. So if you would, bow your head and close your eyes all over this room. Lord, I thank you that you are good. And I thank you that you, Lord, you are, you are a father to the fatherless. Lord, you extend justice to those that are fatherless, to the orphans. Lord, you guard us, you protect us, you shield us. So God, I pray that you would open our eyes to that tonight. You'd help us see that no matter what our, our physical or earthly father has looked like, no matter how good or bad they may have been, the Lord, you are a father that will never fail us. And Lord, I pray that we would reflect that into the lives of the people in our church and specifically the kids and the, the teenagers of this church. Let them see our, their heavenly father at work in their lives. Now with your head bowed and your eyes closed if you're here tonight, you say, you know what, Mel, I'm, I'm not really serving Christ. I don't really have a relationship with Jesus, but I want to. I want to make him Lord of my life. Um, and I want to do that tonight. I'm not going to embarrass you. I don't want to make you come forward or point you out, but I do want to ask if you would raise your hand so I can pray with you. So that's all I want to do is just pray with you right where you're at. So if you're here tonight and you say, I want to make Jesus Lord of my life tonight. I want to make him my number one priority, and I want to do that right now. Would you just slip your hand up and let me pray with you right where you are? Thank you, over here on the left. Who else says that's me? Pray for me. I want to make Jesus Lord of my life. All right. Maybe you're here tonight and you say, Mel, um, I did not have a very healthy relationship with my father. And so I never really saw what a, a spiritual father is supposed to look like. So I need, I need God, I need our Heavenly Father to display that, to be that to me. 
And I've got a void there that I need, I need God to fill. I need him to, to step into that role and just to begin to speak life into me and give me direction and give me the things that I've been lacking. If that's you, there's no condemnation or shame in this, but if that's you, would you just put your hand up and let me pray for you? Yeah, yeah, a lot of you all over the room. Mm. Let me just pray with you right now. Lord, I thank you that you are a heavenly father. Lord, you see those that raise their hand. And I pray right now your Holy Spirit would begin to minister in them. Lord, I thank you that Jesus said that he's, he was gonna send a comforter for us and that he would not leave us as orphans. So God, I pray right now your Holy Spirit would begin to intercede and intervene. Lord, that the wounds and the hurts that have been left by some of these unhealthy relationships with fathers. God, I pray that the Holy Spirit would begin to, to mend those and heal those. Lord, I pray that you would just step into these roles and begin to speak life, speak encouragement. Lord, bring provision and protection just like a spiritual father should right now in these situations. Lord, I pray that you would bring encouragement right now. Lord, I pray that you'd bring joy right now in these situations. Help these children know that you are good, that you are a deliverer of justice, you are our protector, you are our shield, that Lord, there is, there is a father for the fatherless, and it's you. Lord, I pray right now that you would just begin to bring that in every situation in this room, that we would see it and recognize it and receive it, Lord. God, I pray for healing in this place. God, I pray for restoration in this place. God, I pray for hurts to be wiped away in the name of Jesus in this place. Do the work that no one can do. Minister right now in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To watch this message on video, go to summittogether.com.